Who cares? If in that quick video you saw different people grieving, hurting. The first one caught my because I guess I'm old. Er, the guy with the spike cut, tattoos, earrings everywhere. Different. The homeless guy that we kind of try to avoid as we walk down the street. The guy with the cardboard sign that we kind of look forward and hope grip the wheel, hoping he keeps walking by. Different. Who cares? And the reason we're here today is because we know someone who does care. Amen? And, and, and that someone is Jesus Christ. And, and we should be as his representatives. Amen? Who cares? Today, we want to talk about um, a party. We want to talk about celebration. Yeah, there's always reasons to celebrate, which is, by the way, today's kind of birthday day and it's kind of special. We talk about uh, Rick Johnston uh, having a birthday. My friend Ken Erickson back there. Um, and now listen, for a guy, this guy is, is 86 years old. One of our two remaining World War II veterans. Amen. Come on. Yeah, that's reason to celebrate. See, celebrate. That's cool. Whenever there's a guy, 86, and he's still breathing, that's cause to celebrate. And, and in Ken's life, he, again, I love this story. I told the Sunday school class. Kim was on the battleship Missouri when the Japanese surrendered. How incredible of a story is that? That's just incredible. And then lady we talked about, the little old lady from Pasadena with her cart last week, Mar- Marquita Clore, you know. She celebrated her birthday yesterday, and I'm going to go with her age. I'll let, I'll let you go there. But again... Cause to celebrate. And there's a sweet little old lady over here um, that lives in one of our special care homes that's here every single Sunday. And uh, today is her birthday. And I'll tell you what I like about Marianne. Marianne, see, some of you guys, can I just be candid with you? Some of you, when I greet you, I don't know if it's going to be a smile or a frown. You know, you just don't know. You know, it all depends. You know, uh, being a pastor, you kind of, you know, not her. <laughs> every day going out that door, she always goes through that door. And she always says, Hi, Brother Dwayne. I say, hi, Marianne. And we give a quick hug. And she even wants her picture taken with me. And today's her special. These are reason and causes to celebrate. And, and, you know, there is a reason to celebrate. You know, the Bible, you know, the, the, the saying is around Christmas time, Jesus is the reason for the season. The season. And the season we're talking about is Christmas or Christ Mass or the celebration of the birth of the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And that's cause to celebrate. But if we're not careful, we miss it. We miss it. And today's sermon title is all about partying because really Christmas should be one gigantic party. Not about a guy in a red suit. Not about even what we get in the way of gifts. It should be a giant celebration about the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, the God-man, God in the flesh. But not only that, did you know every Sunday, every Sunday, not just Easter, every Sunday we gather together as believers in Christ. And the reason for our gathering is a celebration that we don't serve a dead Messiah. We serve a living Messiah, one who's alive today to make a difference in the lives of people. Every Sunday is to be a celebration. Now, we may celebrate in different ways. Some of you may celebrate very quietly and reverently. But in our hearts, there should be fireworks going off as we celebrate uh, every Sunday the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I have an amen for that? 
I mean, that's what it's all about, guys. That's what it's all about. Now, I hope before this message is over today, I hope you're here today and you've never met Jesus, that you're going to go, wow, there's hope for me. And, and I also hope if you already know Jesus, that you're going to understand the incredible things that God has done for you. And that's why we need to celebrate. And we're going to have a little party etiquette thrown in toward the end. Okay? So it's very, very important. I like what Jesus said. You know, you know, this afternoon we're going to gather in that park. And even with the cloudy weather, and praise God, it doesn't look like it's going to rain. But, man, we're going to have an opportunity to minister anywhere from 600 to 800 people. Now, I don't know what the rain's going to do. It may keep some folks away. I don't know. But we get the chance to go out there and be Jesus to a whole bunch of people. And, and we want to give you some party etiquette for that. How do, you, how do you be around people who may not know Jesus Christ as Savior? So if you want to take your Bibles and turn to Matthew and chapter 9, and we want to look today at a great party that takes place and the reason for the party. Now, I have to admit, this is for a reason. I'm going to be sharing with you at the end of the message something called My Hope. And this just happens to be one of my favorite scriptures. And I, I didn't check my notes, but I bet through the years I've probably preached this five or six times. In fact, I often mention it because of the way it happened. It's just a great excuse to preach one of my favorite, favorite scriptures. And so in Matthew chapter 9 and verse number 9, and then we're going to squeeze in the middle, Luke chapter 5, 29 through 30. This account, by the way, is put into a Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John missed it that day. He decided not to write it down. But, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record this story all with just a little varying details. And I want to give you something right from Luke, right in the middle of the message, all right? So first off, let's look. And the, the big takeaway is it, it's an all-skate. It's an all-skate. Now, how many of y'all remember skating was really, really big? you got to be a little bit older, okay? When, we, when I was growing up as a teenager, well, first off, when I was a kid, I remember this. When I was a kid, we didn't have, and I lived in Jacksonville, Florida, a big city, but there was not anywhere nearby that had skating, but about twice a year, they would bring in a portable roller rink. It was made out of wood. I remember that. Had a tent over the top of it. And, man, it was a big deal when mom and dad would say, hey, or the church group would say, hey, we're going roller skating on Friday night. Now, I know it's not cool now, but it was the ultimate cool to go skating on a Friday night. And, man, there were, like, girls there. And there were, like, girls. There were guys there. It was a really, really cool thing. Okay? And, by the way, just a real quick story. You understand that marriage... Marriage and skating are very common, commonly linked. Because you see, when you go to a roller rink, they have all skate. That means everybody skates. And then they have special times. And one of the special ones was couples skate. Now that meant that you found a girl, if you're a guy, and, and, and y'all skated together. And let me tell you, this is why it's like marriage. You know, sometimes we skate together like this. Hands down our side. You know, you're close in proximity, but that's as far as it got. And then, and then sometimes when you're skating, couple skating, this is me, by the way. I never was very coordinated in skating. But, but you grab her hand, and you're doing everything you can to, to stay up. I mean, you got you. And in a lot of marriages like that, you got her hand. But, boy, it's just about all you can do to stay afloat. But then there's those ones. They come gracefully by, embraced in skating. You're going, I wish I could do that. And you, if you didn't have a girl, you sat on the sideline. You know, you're sitting there and no girl would say yes, and you're there. And it was such a cool thing when the announcer said, All right, boys and girls, it's all skate time. And what that meant was everybody could get back on the floor. It wasn't for a select few. Everybody was included. And I want to tell you something. 
The great thing about Jesus Christ and the celebration of Jesus Christ and why we celebrate Jesus Christ is because it's an all skate. Now, that is a good place for you Baptists to say amen. I, do you understand what I'm saying today? I mean, I'm trying to tell you, if you're a black man today, your skin's dark and you felt the oppression of, of prejudice, you felt the oppression of being excluded to the back of the bus, i got good news for you today. That with Jesus Christ, there is no skin color. It's an all skate. All skate. Now, now, perhaps you're one of the ones. Perhaps you're one of the ones who, who you know this. You know that, you know, your kids don't, you didn't dress nice or your kids don't dress as nice. Or perhaps you drive an old car or something like that. And everyone seems to look down on you. Because we get confused because just, just because someone has um, a, a little bit of extra money that they sometimes think they're better than other people. And, and you know that, that pressure of being looked down upon. I got good news for you. Jesus doesn't see dollar signs. It, for, for Jesus, it's an all skate. He's, he's, not, he's not selective in language or skin color or where you live. Uh, ooh, ooh, ooh. He's not even worried about how bad you think you are or how good you think you are. It's an all skate. And that's exactly what happens with Matthew. Look at this wonderful scripture. Look at verse number 9. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man. Now, now everyone that I read, the, 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 the commentaries I read, is what, it wasn't like that Jesus had never seen Matthew before. They were in Capernaum, and Jesus had been around Capernaum. So, so he he'd probably seen Matthew um, at his tax booth, okay? I mean, and Matthew had probably seen Jesus. So, so they had eyed each other before. But, but you understand something. The fact that Jesus... Saw Matthew sitting where? At his tax booth. At his tax office. Puts a whole different complexion. Interestingly enough, by the way, when you look at Luke's account of this and Mark's account of this, you see the name Levi. Levi was Matthew's Hebrew name. And for whatever reason, Matthew, who wrote the Gospel of... You guys are so incredibly sharp. Doggone, I tell you what. Let's see if I can get you again. Who's buried in Grant's tomb? <laughs> oh, y'all are sharp. Y'all are sharp. But no, no. Matthew chose to use his Roman name and not his, his Jewish name. Don't know why. Maybe because he identifies with the Romans more. Because, you see, he was a tax collector. And I've told you this before. And, and I can't think of a better way to describe to you just how far down on the totem pole Matthew was. I mean, he was, he was a traitor to the Jewish people. I mean, the, the, the tax collectors were hired, in this case, by Herod. He'd been hired by Herod. He worked for the Roman government. And the Roman government was the oppressors. And Jews hated tax collectors because he viewed them as traitors. But, but, but it went worse than that. It went worse than that. He was a thief. Um, he was given carte blanche. And the, the Roman government would say, okay, Jesse, you owe $200 in taxes. And Jesse had carte blanche to say, I'm going to charge you 250 And that they lined their pockets by taking advantage of their Jewish uh, friends. And, and Well, they didn't have friends. They're Jewish people. And, and so, so and Jesse would walk up and he'd say, you know, when the tax bill is 200 he'd go, all right, Jesse, they owe 250 And so he robbed the Jewish people. And it's just incredible uh, that they do this. And, and he was a traitor. He, he was a thief. He was... He wouldn't lie by anybody. The Romans tolerated him. But, but Jesus talks to him. Now, there's something you need to note. Where did he, where did he meet Matthew? At the tax. You, you want to know why? 
See, not only was he a thief and a traitor, he was like unclean. <laughs> we, we, we should welcome everybody to the church. They had guards. You know, some of y'all say, that's not a bad idea. They had guards. And so if Matthew, the, the traitor, Matthew, the thief, and Matthew, the unclean guy, tried to go to church, the guard would simply step in the door and say, you're not welcome here. He basically had been excommunicated from the synagogue. The lesson, if Jesus had ways to meet Matthew at church, he never would have met him. He went where Matthew was, the tax office. If we're going to lead people to Christ, if we're going to meet people, we've got to get outside these walls. That is why we're going to the park today. We're going to the park, and we are hoping that a whole bunch of people will show up, and a chunk of those people are not going to know who Jesus Christ is. And all we're asking for you to do, basically, now some of us are going to try to share the gospel. That's cool. We're going to pray with people. But you know what we're asking you to do? Just be like Jesus. Smile. Shake your hand. We're glad you're here today. Show them a little bit of Jesus. That's what we're asking you to do today as you go and work in the park this afternoon. How incredible. So Jesus knew if I'm ever going to meet Matthew, I'm going to have to go where Matthew is. So, so he goes to the tax office. And here's what he says. He said to him, follow me. Now what's really cool is this is not in like the suggestion mode in the Greek. It's an imperative. It's a command. And, and basically Jesus looks at Matthew and said, you follow me. It's incredible. Now, understand something. He's a thief. He's a traitor. He's unclean. Jesus should not even be speaking to this guy. But Jesus was never hung up on who people were. He was more concerned about what they could be under his grace. Church, we've got to learn this lesson. We've got to learn this lesson. We've got to get beyond who people are because Christ died for every single person. Friend, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, you're here because somebody invited you or somebody. I want you to understand something. Jesus Christ really loves you. Come on now. Jesus Christ really loves you. How much? He was nailed to a Roman cross like this, experienced the full wrath of God all on account of you are a sinner and God was holy. And if you two were ever going to get together, it's going to be a matter of his sacrifice and God's grace. That's what it was. That's how much he loves you. Now, I know we get confused in the religious thing, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. But the great news, the gospel, the good news is, is that Christ died for sinners, of which all of us are, and through his marvelous grace is willing to bring us to relationship with his Father if we'll trust him. So, so Jesus walks up to this very unlikely guy and says, follow me. Now, I don't want to read in between scriptures, but let me just tell you something I think I know. About the time when Jesus walked up to the tax collector and said, follow me, the guys, the disciples, had to look at each other and go, are you serious? I mean, granted, we weren't, we weren't at the top of the gene pool, but come on, we were fishermen, you know, we're, we're kind of good people here. Come on. We're, we're good old boys. Y'all are good old boys. We're good old boys. Are you serious? He's inviting a traitor, a thief, and someone who's really unclean to be a part of our group? The Pharisees immediately, someone called 911 because every one of them fainted on the spot and had a heart attack. Everyone, the Pharisees, those hung up on the law, those who said you, you get righteousness by keeping the law. When Jesus walked up and said, hey, no, I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to invite you in. They had a heart attack. And frankly, the Roman government's going, too. 
I mean, everybody was just surprised when Jesus said, follow me. And the cool part is, Matthew did it. Now, this is cool because you, do you understand something? If I was looking at Brent in the eye and say, Brent, would you follow me? Brent can't stay where he is and follow me. Matthew could not stay where he was and follow Jesus. Now, he wasn't liked by very many people. Um, he was, again, in the Jewish circles, he was despised and hated. But he still left behind a very lucrative job. These, these jobs were sought after. They were often bought. He left that to follow this Jesus teacher, rabbi, who's going to soon discover as the Messiah. How cool is that? Come on, amen? It's so cool. Now, here's what I want you to know. Again, if you're our guest today, we are so glad you're here. And, and if you're a member, we're glad you're here. We like everybody. I want you to know this. That if, if God can reach down and forgive Matthew, a guy like Matthew, there's hope for you. There's hope for you. You say, well, Dwayne, I've cheated on my wife about 47 times. Ma'am, I cheated on my husband 47 times. Um, I, I have an abusive past. Um, I've stolen. I've lied. Right now, today, before I came to church, i got to fix on something. I'm going after church and find someone who will sell me something. Okay? Um, um, I'm just mean. I'm just mean. Or, or, I'm a pretty good person. I'm not even sure I need a Savior because, after all, I'm pretty good. I want to tell you something. With Jesus Christ, there really is hope for you. If, if God can reach down and save a guy like Matthew, he can save you. He can save you. And you say, well, do you understand? I've been doing this stuff for like years. Good news. Are you breathing? Everybody chat. There's hope. Hope is over when the breathing stops. Hope is over when the breathing stops. So there's hope for you today. And I don't want to, I don't want you I don't want to take this lightly. Oh, 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 this is that prayer thing. We pray a prayer, I join the church, get dunk some water, and then go live like the devil? No, no, no. No. Because see, Matthew followed Jesus, and you can't stay where you are and follow Jesus. Okay? In fact, Jesus said, if any man will come after me, if you want to be a Christ follower, you've got to deny yourself. You've got to take up your cross, and you've got to follow me. You got you got you you got to put yourself second behind Jesus. You know, not some man, some woman, but you got to put yourself behind Jesus. You got to take up that cross, which means identify with Jesus, and you got to follow. And how long do you follow? Oh, forever. Yeah, the rest of your life would we'll do good. So, so here we go. We see Matthew, and incredibly, he he listens to Jesus and he becomes a Christ follower. The same invitation that God gives you today. God does not invite you to be a Baptist. God does not invite you to be religious. God does not invite you to go through some ritual. God invites you to relationship with Him through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. To make it perfectly clear, you can do nothing but receive what Jesus Christ has already done. You can't keep rules. You can't get dunked. You can't give money. It's all grace and what Jesus Christ did. That's huge. That's huge. So the Bible says now, and this is the Luke scripture. If you're on my sermon sheet, you can follow that. But it's Luke chapter 5, verse 29 through 30, Holman Christian Standard. The Bible says, at that time, 
Then Matthew hosted a grand banquet for Jesus at his house. And now there's a large crowd of tax collectors and others who were guests with them. How incredible. So the natural response of the guy who met Jesus, the natural response of the tax collector, ex-tax collector, the, the, the right response, the great response of Matthew is, let's party. Let's party. And we wrestle with this. We wrestle with this. But Matthew, who was like rejected, is now accepted. Matthew, who was excommunicated, is now in relationship with, his, with God the Father and Jesus Christ. Matthew said, the only response is, let's party. And I'm always amazed about how we don't want. Have you ever, have you ever known how you push back when you see a smiling picture of Jesus? You say, Jesus would never smile. Excuse me? I got the stinking suspicion when Lazarus came hopping out of the grave, Jesus was smiling. I got the, I just got the feeling. I got the feeling when, when the leper's skin became like baby skin, I got a feeling Jesus was smiling. I, I, when the blind man who all of a sudden had never seen could see blind Bartimaeus, I got a feeling Jesus was smiling. In fact, you understand what the Bible says? The Bible says heaven rejoices not when we have a big offering. Heaven rejoices not when you show up for church. Heaven rejoices when a sinner comes into fellowship with God. Amen? Back at Jesus said, when one sinner comes into fellowship, heaven throws a party. So Matthew throws a party. He was so wrapped up with gratitude because of what Jesus did. Now, I know, I know, I know, I know. In Western culture, here's the deal. People come in, and they're going through a hard time. They don't have a job. They need money. Their marriage is falling apart. Something like that. And, and some preacher somewhere will say, well, just trust Jesus, and everything will be okay. And we've got a Western culture that somehow teaches that God is our genie. That, that if we trust God, we'll never get unemployed. We'll, we'll never get sick, and all these things won't happen. The only problem with that, it may preach really great in Texas and Joel Sting's church, but it's not from the Bible. In fact, Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. They said, wait a minute, I've overcome the world. I've overcome the world. So, so Matthew was overwhelmed with gratitude. Now, here's where I want every Christian, every disciple, every Christ follower to pay careful attention. And then if you're considering receiving Christ, you can listen too. All right? The first one is this. I want to go back to Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2. Here's what it says. Blessed is he, happy is he, whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute or charge iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit or no guile. The psalmist, way David, David, the guy who committed adultery, David, the result of 70,000 people died, David, a whole village was wiped out. That guy, David, says, let me tell you something. I know about forgiveness because I've sinned. And I've got reason to celebrate today because my sins are forgiven. And if you are a Christ follower today, you've got calls to sell. If God never gives you a job. If God never gives you a job. If, if you go hungry to bed tonight. If you wake up tomorrow and your arthritis is worse than it's ever been. If you are a Christ follower, if you receive God's amazing grace, if your sins are forgiven, you've got reason to celebrate. You've got calls to celebrate. 
but we wrestle with that. Your sins are forgiven. Never to be held against you again. The penalty was paid. When Jesus Christ died, He died that your sin could be paid for. It could be atoned for. The penalty could be removed. And when you receive Him, that penalty of your sin is gone forever. Nothing can change that. And that is cause to celebrate. There's a huge scripture and one day we'll spend a whole sermon on it. But there's a huge scripture in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 through 6. Here's what you read. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now you Christ followers, listen. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Without blame. Before the foundation of this world was laid, Christ, or God the Father, and Christ and the Holy Spirit knew you received Christ. Knew that. Now listen to me. Ben, you're without blame today. You're without blame. Ben, you're without blame today. Over here. Dewey, you're without blame today. It's incredible. Come on. It's incredible. The price has been paid. We are without blame before God. And nothing Satan can... He can make you feel guilty. He can whoop shame on you. But there's not a thing Satan can do because the penalty's been paid and the blame has been removed. And I don't know what you came expecting to walk away with, but if I was a Christ follower, I would burn that in my heart. I would tattoo it on my arm. I would leave here knowing that, wait a minute, my sins are forgiving. And that's the victory. That's the cause for celebration for the believer. And we don't do that too good. He goes on and says this. Having predestined us to an adoption as sons by Jesus Christ. I was telling Rod, Rod's a car dealer, among other things. And I said, I said today, Rod, why don't you adopt me? Because, you know, it's cool. Amy gets to drive a car for five, 6,000 miles and trade it in and get another one. That's better than pecan pie. If, if, Rod, if you were my dad, then, then I, I'd, get a, I'd get this to drive for a while. And then, oh, oh, here's another one. Oh, son, shoot that thing. God does a better deal. He adopts us as sons. And what that means is this. From the moment you trust Jesus Christ, you have all the rights, you have all the privileges, you have the authority of a son of God. Now that's reason to clap right there. In case you're wondering. Just in case you're wondering. He goes on and says this. According to the good, would you say good pleasure? God's not up in heaven going, I wish I hadn't saved him. I, oh boy. That grace thing, I really stretch with him. It's his good pleasure to bring you into relationship with himself. According to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace. Now watch, watch, I, I bolded it. By which he made us accepted in the beloved. See, Matthew knew nothing but rejection. I mean, people walk by and go, reject, reject, reject. Reject. All he knew was rejection. He was rejected by the church. He was rejected by the Romans. He was rejected by his countrymen. And Jesus walked up and said, You can be accepted in me. 
God's not a performance lover. Come on. God is not a performance lover. You are accepted. Well, why am I accepted, Dwayne? Because you're accepted because of the beloved. You're accepted because of Jesus Christ. And that's reason to party. And that's reason to celebrate. Amen. Come on. Yeah, come on. See, I told you we wrestle with this. If I was giving away $20,000 to 10 lucky people today, oh, 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 third draw, oh, oh, I got something better. You will never fear the fires of hell. You'll never know the wrath of God. That's better than $20,000. And God says, skin color, no problem. Economic status, no problem. Language barrier, no problem. It's the good news. And it's the good news for every man, woman, and child who will say yes to Jesus Christ. How incredible is that? Then we go on. The Bible says that there were some Pharisees there. And the scribes were complaining to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? This was so foreign to them in their twisted religious way. You know, why, why would you dare mess with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus, in that place, said... That's why I came. I hope. If there's a reputation we have, I always sometimes like to be at the coffee shop and hear what kind of reputation we have. I hope we have a reputation of a church that will love, help, and accept people. I hope that. I hope. If that's one thing we have, I would really count that as a treasured gift from God. You know, the Pharisees really wrestled with this. They, they, just couldn't, they just couldn't imagine that, that, that Jesus would love these people. That, they, did you say they're at the party? You know, they're having this, this party and, 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 and all the sinners are there and stuff. And for some reason, all the Pharisees were looking in the window. I don't know if they decided to go. But they were party crashers. Don't be a party crasher today at 4 o'clock. I mean, we want you to come, but we want you to come with a big old smile on your face and love of, of God in your heart for people. And we don't want, we don't want if, you, if, if you're going to crash the party, maybe I'll go to another church tonight. I'm just being honest with you. Just being honest. I'll never forget. I told you a story one time. Real quick. I was at Walmart trying to start a conversation about God, you know. And he goes, uh, what church do you go to? She goes, what church do you go to? I said, door She goes, I'll never go to that church. I said, what? You know, you know, ah, ah, stab me in the heart. You know, what's going on? One of your members, she said, broke up a very dear family to me. And I'll never go to your church. Don't think our actions, our attitudes don't impact other people. So come with a smile. Come with a smile today. That's party etiquette. No one likes a departier at a party. Come with a smile. Now back to Matthew chapter 9, verse 12. So Jesus is like listening. Warning, Jesus is always listening. Warning, when you're about to open your mouth and say something very unkind, Jesus is always listening. <laughs> okay? All right. Okay. 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 All right. But when he heard this, he said to the Pharisees, one, those who are well don't need a doctor, but the sick do. Now, he wasn't saying that the Pharisees were like really righteous. They just thought they were righteous. See, there's, there's 
two people, kinds of people that, that are in health-wise. One is a person who's sick and knows he needs a doctor. And the other one is a sick who says, I don't need a doctor. Man, that's usually us. You know, our leg's about to fall off. I don't need no doctor. I'm a man. Well, the Pharisees were, were like really steeped in sin. But they had their religious thing going on. They had their rules going on. And they're going, we don't need a Savior. And Jesus said, well, I wasn't really talking to you. But, but that's because, because that's where you are, you see the sick people. Who are the sick people? People who know they need a Savior. I'm hoping some of you today or light will come on and go, you know what? I need a Savior. And David, I love what you said a couple weeks ago on a Wednesday night, I think it was. We don't, we don't need a Savior once. I mean, we're saved once, and we need a Savior then, but we need a Savior day by day because we can't live this life. He has to live it through us. Amen? We need a Savior day by day by day by day. So Jesus said, no, 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 you don't understand. Those who are well, they don't need a doctor, but the sick do. 13, go and learn. This is so important. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Translate that from Hosea 6, 6, by the way. He quotes it twice in Matthew. Again, in Matthew chapter 12. Jesus is saying this. Mercy trumps religion every time. Mercy trumps religion every time. That merciful person, that person who's like Christ, that person who's filled with compassion, trumps rules every time. Jesus said it twice. Hosea said it hundreds of years before that. He goes, go and learn this. Say to the Pharisees. Go to the religious people. Listen, religious people. Learn this. Mercy trumps religion. Before God's impressed about how well we keep rules, he's more impressed when we show love and compassion, which, by the way, at 4 o'clock, we're going to try to do today. That's what we're going to try to do. Mercy trumps religion. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners, and I included Mark in this, to repentance. I didn't come to call the folks who don't need a Savior. Because they are saying, in their brain, they need a Savior. But in their brain, they're saying they don't. I've come to call sinners. Sinners. Now, the Bible says everybody sinned. Thank you, G. The Bible says everybody sinned. We just don't want to admit it. Even once we get saved, we don't want to say, well, I'm a sinner. Well, you're still a sinner once you get saved. You're a forgiven sinner. Covered by God's grace, but you're still a sinner. So he says, I, I didn't come to, to call these the religious rule-keeping people who think they don't need a Savior. But I've come to call sinners to what? Repentance. To, to, to be going this way and turn around and go this way. To, to doing life like you want to do it. To doing life as Christ has us do it. Repentance. Turning away from our sin and choosing to follow God. Jesus says, that's why I came. So that you and 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 all of us can have a relationship with holy God, which we're not holy. Holy God through the holiness of Jesus Christ paid for on the cross. And that's reason to celebrate. I'm glad I'm not going to hell. I'm glad I'm going to. Come on, come on, y'all. This sermon ain't that hard, is it? <laughs> come on. <laughs> Aren't you glad you're not going to hell? So, I walked in the kitchen yesterday. 
And my son-in-law was sitting at the table, and he gets off work at 3 o'clock in the morning, so it was about 10.30 or 11. So I said, wake up, Blake. And he goes, I'm awake. I didn't, I didn't catch it. I missed it. So Sarah says, he just got a phone call. His cousin shot and killed himself. Two small children left behind in the Air Force. He, Sarah showed me pictures of the, of the family. And I'm going, whoa. And you know the crazy part? His roommate, he was evidently in training. His roommate was a chaplain. And somehow they missed it. And I wondered, did he know that Jesus cared? Did he know that there was hope in the hopeless situation? Did, did, was he like Matthew? He came to his end of his rope and he, did he know that there was a Savior who cared? Was there someone in his life that didn't show him church or, or religion, but showed him Jesus? Blake didn't know if he's a believer or not. And we don't know that answer yet. And may not know. But you know what burned in my heart? One, my son-in-law, who I said, wake up to, I, I said, oh gosh, how I missed that. How many times do we miss the Matthews in life? We see one thing and really it's another. And two, that every person that we're going to meet today at 4 o'clock matters. We don't know where they are, folks. We don't know. So today, we're going to get to go to the park. And we're going to love and shake some hands and smile and love and shake hands and smile and pray with some people and maybe even get to share that great news. And we're going to throw seed all over that park. And we're going to celebrate. And we're going to wish and pray that people will have what we have. Forgiveness of sins. Restoration with God. It's a reason to celebrate. Amen? Now, one more quick thing. And this is what the message is all about today. In November, and I believe the broadcast day is going to be November the 7th, there is a program... Uh, there's a ministry sponsored by Billy Graham. That's his 95th birthday. And this is his one last desire to see people saved in America. It's called My Hope. And the whole thrust of it is this. They are asking, and they're asking me and you, to be Matthews. In other words, you've met Jesus. Would you be willing to throw a party? It goes something like this. And I've tweaked it just a little bit for us. Option number one I call is this. We're asking, if you are interested, this is not a commitment Sunday, but if you're interested, at the welcome desk, there's a sign-up sheet, I'm interested in hosting a party, okay? And Judy will give you a kit that will tell you all about it today. Option one is this. We are asking that you pick ten friends. And I, I'm, I would go probably maybe eight lost, eight lost and two saved, so you have some reinforcements there, but... Ten friends and begin praying for them now. And then in November, say, hey, I'd like for you to come to my house. We're going to have a party. It may be snacks. It may be dinner. I don't know. It's up to you. And that night on live television, there's going to be a 30-minute broadcast. No two-hour program. A 30-minute broadcast. It's going to include some cool music, 
some great testimonies and snippets of a sermon from Brother Billy Graham. And so after that show's over, we're asking you to take and share your testimony, just like Matthew, what happened with Jesus Christ and you. And then invite those present if they'd like to pray that prayer and receive Jesus Christ as Savior. Option two is this. Some of you go, I would love to host a party, but Dwayne, I just don't think I could give my testimony. Okay, I understand that. You know, you need to work on that, by the way. You need to work on that. But would you be willing to host a party and let a guest speaker like myself or Brent or someone come to your house and, and let them do that part of the program? And then this one is really radical. I'm sure Big Graham would go, what? You know, but I, if, there, if there's interest, would you be willing to invite 10 of your friends, maybe a couple lost and, and you know, eight lost and a couple saved, and we're going to have a dinner in the fellowship hall. Would you be willing to fill a table up? And we'll do all the work. The staff will do all the work. We'll, we'll share our testimony. We'll present the gospel. We'll do all of that. But there are three options. And this is not a commitment today. I want you to think about it and pray about it. I want you to just go by and sign that sheet and say, it's got, it's got um, my hope on it. Put your name and your phone number there and put what option you're thinking about. Okay? And then, and then I'll contact you or Dave will contact you or I'll contact you or Brent. And we'll go, hey, have you thought about this? Is this something you still want to do? And all through the summer, we're going to be praying and working and praying and working, leading to a Harvest Sunday um, in November. So you, I pray you'll really think about it. That's what this whole thing is. God wants us to be Matthews and invite people to our neighborhood. I'll tell you a secret. We're off the air, I think. We're going to have a barbecue at my house. And there's five people that live around me that I've been praying for for five months now. Every day. And they're going to come to a barbecue. And they don't even know why. <laughs> Listen to these staggering numbers. Now, one thing you know about Billy Graham, and then we're done, I promise. One thing I know about Billy Graham, they do follow up. They don't lead people to decisions and say, good luck. They follow up. Listen to these staggering numbers. Since 2002, my hope has been done in 57 countries. Over 300,000 churches have participated. Are you ready? 10 million decisions have been recorded. Keep in mind, those aren't pray and leave. 10 million decisions have been followed up on. Is that incredible or what? Isn't that incredible? It really is. It really is. Now, guess what? It's now coming to America for the first time. And you know what our trainer said? Dave, you remember saying this? You know what our trainer said? Our trainer said, by far, America has been the hardest country to get this going. Because you've got to remember, America is the fourth largest uh, lost nation in the world. So, would you be a Matthew? Would you pray about, consider throwing a party? Would you sign up at the welcome desk? He'll give you a packet of information. We'll contact you personally and see if you want to follow up on that. Today, would you be a Matthew? Would you be part of the party? And today... If you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus, it's all skate day for you. My friend, Brother Brent's going to be standing down front. And we'll, if you'll come down and say, Brent, I want to know about this Jesus guy. How incredible. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm like Matthew. Man, I'm telling you, Brent and I and David and others will share with you from God's Word how you can have a relationship with our Father today. Let's pray. Well, Father, thank you for the privilege, the high privilege of sharing this today. God, thank you that with you it is an all skate. That your grace is sufficient for all men, women, and children. What we could not do and cannot do, you have done on our behalf, Jesus. Thank you for that. 
for my friends who are here today, and they may have tried religion, they may have tried church, but they've never heard about grace and Jesus and forgiveness. Let them have the courage to come forward today. Take Brent by the hand and say, I want to know how I can come in relationship with this God. I pray for that. Father, I pray for Operation Matthew. Um, Father, help us be Matthews. Would you give us the courage to at least investigate the possibility of having a party at our house or perhaps here at the church, inviting and praying our, for our friends who don't know Jesus Christ as Savior. Would you help us to do that? And Father, most of all, help us, Lord, today to be Christ to a whole bunch of people. This invitation time is totally yours, Jesus, and I pray in your precious name. Amen.